0: Hi everyone, and welcome to NEPA Sports Stories. My name is Matt Bufano, and I am the host of this podcast. This is episode 14, and my guest today is Rich Mazinski. If you're a fan of local sports, uh, and why wouldn't you be? That's what this podcast is all about. Rich is someone who you might know from a number of different things. He had a great playing career at Wyoming area in the late 1990s where he played uh, baseball, basketball, and was truly spectacular at football. He talks about um, his football career at Wyoming area, and then William & Mary, a couple of stints with NFL teams, and ultimately the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton uh, Pioneers, who, if you recall, they were an AF2 franchise, kind of like a minor league arena football league franchise that did not feel like a minor league franchise. For the amount of winning that team did, and for the fanfare that surrounded it. And, and I feel like Rich was really like the star attraction for a little while while he was there. So we talk about uh, Rich's playing career. And then we talk about his coaching career. He's coached a number of different sports at a number of different schools. Pittston area, Wyoming area, Wyoming seminary. We talk about uh, you know some of the things he's gone through in coaching. Including winning the state championship last year with the Wyoming area Warriors. Certainly one of his favorite memories uh, of his career in sports as a player, as a coach, as a fan. And so we talk a little bit about all of that. Rich was a really good guest to have on here. I'm, I'm very thankful that he came on the podcast to talk about all of that. And I am also very thankful to have you as a listener. So with no further ado, let's get into it. Here is my interview with Rich Mazinski. Now, Rich, you and I, uh, we share an alma mater, Wyoming area. I'm class of 2009, I think. What were you, about a a decade before that? Yeah,
1: 1999.
0: 1999. Um, So when you think back to your time at Wyoming area, and for those who don't know, you were a great football and baseball player. When you look back on your time, what sort of athletic memories uh, and thoughts come to mind?
1: I would have to say, you know, uh, definitely when we won the district title, uh, in football, my senior year, which would have been the year of football year of 98. We beat a uh, Montrose at our field, um, with, uh, I'm sure people remember Chris Snee who went on to play for the giants and everything like that. He was on that team. So that was, uh, you know, one of the, the obviously highlights of my high school career. And then obviously playing in that state title or, uh, not state title state, uh, playoff game against, uh, Mount Carmel, who was, I mean, they were loaded, And, uh, I mean, they had the player of the year with Nick Sebus. He ended up going on to Stanford. Uh, They had some linemen that went somewhere. I think they had the Veach brothers were there. So, I mean, it was, uh, you know, a crazy senior year, but a a great experience when I look back at, you know, what we accomplished football-wise.
0: And I believe that that Mount Carmel team won the state championship a little while after eliminating Wyoming area. Um, Yeah, they did. Now, you mentioned that senior year. I looked up your stats from your senior year at Wyoming area. 64 catches, 1,032 yards, and 10 touchdowns. You don't see those numbers too often in a District 2 wide receiver. Um, now, what was it that just propelled you to being such a prolific wide receiver? And were you always on the path to being a wide receiver? Did you try some other positions out along the way?
1: Well, it's funny because, uh, you know, the coaching staff, we still we still joke about it because obviously a lot of the coaches that are still on our staff, Coach Spencer, Coach Pizzano, they all coached me when I was in high school. That's how long, you know, some of our coaches have been around. But uh, it's funny because my sophomore year, I got to start at wide receiver as a sophomore. And uh, I'll, I another, you want to talk about a highlight, I don't know if I'd call it a highlight, but was the first game, it was at uh, Pocono Mountain, and uh, I think Russ Heron was the quarterback, and I ran a corner route or something to the corner of the end zone, and he throws me the ball, hits me square in the chest, and I drop it, I bobble it, I I dive and catch it, I fall on the ground, and some guy from the stands yells, what's the matter, can't you catch? And I was (laughs) like, oh my gosh, like I was like having a breakdown, but then it's, then maybe like three games later, I think I actually got benched like I didn't play anymore that year because I just had a rough year was dropping passes. And so honestly, I didn't think I would ever even play anymore. And then my junior year when we came back for uh, camp, like in the summer coach Moranke actually put me on defense. So my junior year, I ended up being first team all conference defensive back. And that's when we played Berwick in the district final and we lost. Um, but so receiver-wise, it was funny. I hadn't played any wideout since the first couple of games of my sophomore year. And so it was almost like, I don't know if it was just my time, and I just peaked at the right time when, you know, it came to the football season my senior year. But I remember, uh, I think I caught like a little, we played Scranton prep at the time, was like our first scrimmage of the year. I think we used to scrimmage prep and then Riverside. And I remember catching the first pass, and I think I caught like a little stop route turn and took it however far, 60 yards or something like that, I think, for a touchdown. And I think after that, I think the confidence was just back. And, you know, the the season went the way it went. And, you know, I got Coach Branca gave me plenty of opportunities to, to make plays. And like you said, it's, it's it, you don't really see 64 catches from kids anymore, especially at Wyoming area. I mean, I hate to say it. We run the ball so much that it's, you know, even Brian Williams, who had a great season last year, I, I don't even know if we got on the ball 30 times, 40 times, you know? So that number is, I I even look back and, you you know, you do the math where you played 10 games, you had two playoff games and three, you know, you're looking at almost, you know, what's that? Like uh, five catches a game at least, you know? So, which I think is kind of crazy when you look at it.
0: Yeah. Five catches, probably about 80 or 90 yards. Um, So at the end of your junior year at Wyoming area, at the end of the year junior year altogether so end of spring and everything were you thinking you were actually a better baseball player just given where you were at 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 that time in your career uh you know it it was probably
1: a toss-up at that point because you know there there's some people out there that will tell you um that I was a better baseball player than I was a football player and uh you know, had I pursued baseball a little bit more, um, you know, who knows where it would have taken me. But I mean, I I was passionate about both of them. I mean, I played basketball, but that was a far third sport. Um, But baseball and football, it was, uh, you know, those were the sports. And, uh, you know, like I said, it it was probably at that point, it was probably a toss up after my junior year of where, you know, hopefully, you know, my college career would have uh, ended up going.
0: And what positions did you play in baseball?
1: I played shortstop up until I think it was going into my junior year and then they moved me to outfield because we had, I played on the Greater Pits and Legion team, but at the time we had a kid from Pittston who was an outstanding shortstop and I was just the next kid, you know, so Coach Musto actually gave me a shot in one of the games, I think we were playing up in Dunmore somewhere. And uh, I made some really good plays out in the outfield, and that was the end of my infield career. Let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> all right. And, uh, yeah, like, I, like you mentioned about that Mount Carmel game. So that would have been your last high school game, I guess, uh, in football. You had 10 catches, over 100 yards, and a touchdown, uh, despite the team losing big. Um, and what I find interesting, too, about all of that is you were actually still uncommitted, at the time of that Mount Carmel game, at least publicly, I think you had a William and Mary offer at the time, but like what was going on in in your recruiting at that point?
1: Uh, As far as recruiting goes, um, you know, I was getting some, there there really wasn't any one a looks, you know, I was trying to pursue some schools like a Penn state. They told me I can come walk on. Um, But there was nothing as far as uh, you know, money wise. And then, After the season, you know, William & Mary had come in, Princeton was in, and actually Maine was, uh, the University of Maine, those are my top three schools. And, uh, you know, William Mary had offered me a full scholarship along with Maine. And then, uh, you know, Princeton, it's Ivy, so it was all financial-based. So, um, but at the end of the day, you know, it it really didn't transpire, like you said, you know, until after the season, you know, there were schools coming in, you know, the UMasses came in and the Delawares and stuff like that, and Villanova, but all those schools were, they weren't interested, you know, they came in and they were like, ah, we're good. We don't think he's good enough or fast enough or whatever the case may be. So, you know, it, it was, you know, a little, little chip on your shoulder, you know, and then you finally got those opportunities from those other schools. And, you know, obviously William Mary was the choice that I made to, and the path that I chose.
0: And Penn State, did they like come to Wyoming area or did you have to attend a camp that put you on their radar? How do you think? Uh, because even to get offered as a preferred walk-on is you know, an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah, uh,
1: I believe they came in, but I did go to their camp. I can't remember if it was my sophomore into junior year, my junior year. I remember I went out to the camp out at their, at their school. And I mean, their camp is so big though. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been out there, but it's like, Thousands of kids are at this camp, you know, so uh, the uh, it just didn't work out. You know, again, I wasn't fit for what they were looking for. And as much as I would have loved to attend there and go there, you know, it just wasn't in the cards.
0: One of the things uh, with football players you always notice is heights and weights vary wildly. Uh, I think I saw on your William and Mary page, 6'1", 195 New England Patriots, more like 5'11". Right. Uh, so w- what do you think is the the true height and weight on you?
1: I, it's funny. I actually think when, I was, when we were sending out my stuff in high school, I think we put down 6'3", 185, <laughs> just so schools would come look. But uh, no, I think legitimately I think I was like – at one point I think in one of my pro days from William Mary, I think I was six foot on the dot they gave me. So I always tell everybody I'm six foot <laughs> – And I mean, I was probably, you know, I was probably somewhere around 180, 85 pounds, 190, like somewhere in that range, probably when I was finishing up school and stuff like that.
0: So that's pretty good size for a wide receiver. And what I could tell, though, that really put you over the top is your hands, that you had great hands. Um, And you mentioned how senior year at Wyoming area was when you came into your own. So like from junior to senior year, what keyed that improvement in your receiving skills?
1: It, it's tough to tell. I joke all the time with people that I got all my hand-eye coordination was from working with my dad. Cause we, he had a, a lunch meat business and I would work for him over breaks, over summers. And when we would go and load the trucks, like, you know, you're talking about 12 pound hams, you're talking about pieces of bologna you know, but we would throw them from the ground up to the truck. And if you were up on the truck, you had to catch the meat. You hate to say it, but so, I mean, you know, you're throwing two pieces at a time. So you're watching two pieces, you know, going at the same time. So, I mean, as, as crazy and as funny as it sounds, I attribute a lot of my hand-eye coordination from working with my dad and, and throwing lunch meat, as crazy as that sounds. But it, it helped me with my hand-eye coordination and things like that. And then, you know, you look at the fact that I played basketball you know, so, you know, basketball, you're always jumping your high point and rebounds and things like that. So that always helped playing baseball, you know, you can track those fly balls if you get that good jump. So I mean, I think a little bit of everything kind of took its toll or, you know, paid its dividends, as you you could say, on, you know, me developing my hands coming around to my senior year.
0: All right, interesting. So, Then uh, you graduate from Wyoming area. William & Mary ends up being the college destination. And, I mean, you're one of the all-time greats there still. Career stats at William & Mary, 223 catches, 4,168 yards, and 31 touchdowns. I mean, those are just insane numbers, more than 4,100 yards. So what was it that allowed you to become really a star at William & Mary?
1: Oh, man, it was, I'll, I'll tell you what, I had some some really good quarterbacks. Um, my quarterback that was there for my sophomore, well, redshirt, freshman year, sophomore, and junior year, he actually, when he left, he was the all-time leading quarterback, Dave Corley. Um, he was the all-time leading quarterback. So he was uh, athletic, uh, you know, not your traditional pocket passer. He's your typical like scramble quarterback, he could keep plays alive, and you know I did a good job of always breaking off routes at times. And yeah, we we've seen highlights where he's sitting there and he's like, you know, he's waving me just to go deep, and and I mean he could fling the ball, and uh, you know, so I, I was fortunate to have some some good people around me to help me do a little bit, you know, better in my career, you could say. Um, but it's funny because when I went to William Mary, they wanted me to play defensive back. Like they brought me in as an athlete, but my true freshman year, I actually traveled as a defensive back. And so while all the other freshmen were hanging out Friday nights and Saturdays and they were back on campus, I was traveling with the, you know, with the, the team. And uh, you know, thank gosh I never played. So I ended up getting my red shirt. And then we had our spring game And I was still playing defensive back. And I got killed by kids that I look back and I'm just like, how did these kids beat me? And, you know, gave up like two touchdowns. Kids were just making plays over me. And so at the end of the spring, when we had our meeting, the the coaches were like, hey, listen, we're going to put you back on offense. and We're going to keep this other kid we brought in. We're going to make him play defense. So thank gosh they gave me that chance to go back on offense and you know something that i kind of never looked back on
0: that wow that's huge uh, so i mean if you had a better day uh, covering the receivers yeah,
1: everything changes <laughs> exactly who knows where i'd be
0: all right and uh william and mary coming out of william and mary um did you think you had a shot at being drafted into the nfl i mean you were one of because what is that division one double a basically
1: It was, yeah, it was one double A. Now they call it what, FCS or whatever it is now. I believe
0: so. So, I mean, you were one of the best receivers in the country at that level. So, you know, what did you think about going through the NFL process?
1: Uh, As we got into, as I finished up my junior year, because my, you know, my stats were, you know, they were, they were up there after my junior year. I mean, I was talking with like our lifting coach and he was like, you know, you really need to start thinking about what you're going to do because, you know, you could go play at the next level and things like that. So, you know, and then I started getting like letters in my locker, similar to like how kids do with recruiting in college. You know, they get those letters in the mail from, you know, all their schools. Full the NFL does the same thing. I would go to practice and there'd be letters from like the Raiders and the Giants and all this stuff. And you'd have to fill out, you know, the survey just like you would and send it back in. And, you know, and, and you have a little bit better opportunity, I think when, your team does well. You know, people are coming in to see you and they come in and, you know, and, and we're in a good area where William Mary was, where you had Richmond was down the road. UVA wasn't far. You know, you had Norfolk State, you had Hampton. So we had a lot of 1AA and 1A schools, Virginia Tech, that these college coaches could hit a couple of these schools all at one time, you know. So, uh, you know, after my junior year, we, we had an idea that I may have the chance you know, the opportunity to go to the next level.
0: Before we move on to the NFL and pro football, when you look back on William and Mary, do you have a favorite memory or a favorite time that uh, comes to mind?
1: I would think, um, you know, when I'm looking back, gosh, there was, you know, we were, we, we just did an interview the other day. It was pretty cool. We had uh, the PR guy who's still there, who was there when I was there, Pete Clausen, we just did a, uh, they're doing William Mary's top 10 best games ever. And one of the games that they highlighted was William Mary versus Villanova at Villanova or at William and Mary, where there was it was like over a thousand yards of total offense. There was 90 points scored in the game. But the player on the other team was Brian Westbrook from Villanova. And everybody knows how good he was. And We had like a whole. It was me, our quarterback, and one of our linemen, and we were looking at like highlights from the the game, and we ended up winning, but it was just like, I mean, you want to talk about a guy, Brian Westbrook, that was untouchable. Like, you watched him, and I mean, so this is something that sticks out in your head. Like, you would think we had him pinned to the sideline. Next thing you know, he gets to the sideline, and whoop, he's right up the sideline for like five extra yards, and you're like, how? We had six guys there. Into the sideline and so I mean a game like that is something that you know and again I got the memory stirred back up the other day when we were going through some of this stuff but that's definitely a game that you know sticks out and I didn't even have that big of a game I mean there was a couple highlights where I had some nice catches but we had another kid who ended up having all the the receptions and the yardage that game because I was more of a clear out guy and he kept running this crossing route but I ended up making like two nice plays and but at the end of the day we won and you, know, you beat brian westbrook and you know like you know his where he went and the eagles and all that stuff so that's something that kind of jumps out to me and you know and then we had won we were quad champs my sophomore year and we ended up going to appalachian state and actually playing in the one double a playoffs i mean we lost but that was another probably highlight that i remember when we won we got like a little ring for winning and uh, then we got to go on to the the playoffs but short-lived you know
0: you mentioned that uh, that Villanova game, you didn't have that great that big a day. Um, I'm looking at the box score here. I still would have loved to have you on my fantasy team four catches for 126 yards. Right. Uh, and Brian Westbrook by the way, 27 carries for 233 mm-hmm. yards. Yeah, he had,
1: he had something ridiculous, like 400 all-purpose yards that game or something because he had return yards. And, all oh, it was just, like I said, it was it was an unbelievable game as far as offensive stats go for a game. But, yeah.
0: Yeah, actually, uh, he had 332 all-purpose yards to give him oh. 9,512 for his career, breaking the NCAA all-divisions record of yeah. 9,301. Wow. How
1: crazy, right?
0: And you broke the William and Mary season record uh, with 1,242 receiving yards in that game. Yeah. So, yep. And when you look back on your records at William and Mary, the campus is out there in Virginia. Um, you get back there often?
1: I'll be honest. We, uh, before, I mean, I got put into the, uh, the Hall of Fame down there. And so when I graduated, I went back the following year. We went back for homecoming, had a good time. But then after that, I probably didn't go back for like nine years after that because it was 10 years from when I graduate that they you know, inducted me into the Sports Hall of Fame down there. And that was the first time I was able to get back down there. And so much had changed. And then in the meantime, since that 10 years, we've probably, because then they were holding the camp, I got to go down and work the camp a little bit. And uh, so I've probably been back down there in the past couple of years. Probably three, four times, which is, you know, which isn't bad. Um, But I went down for a couple of the Hall of Fame dinners because a couple of my uh, buddies that I played with got in two years in a row after me. So we were down there two years after that. And then we were coming home from vacation actually this year over the summer. And we actually happened to stop by and, uh, you know, picked up some William Mary gear and stuff like that. So I've had recently more time to get back down there than I had once I first graduated from school.
0: Right. And that is in part because you were so busy with your football career uh, coming out of school. So, yeah, just kind of walk us through what your NFL uh, experience was like.
1: Well, NFL-wise, you know, going into the draft, I was actually prepping. I would come home in the spring semester. I was coming home every weekend. I was working out at Lehigh. They had a trainer there. So, I happen to have no class on Friday, my second semester senior year. So I was able to come home. I would leave Thursday after school, come home. I stayed over with a buddy that I knew at Lehigh, get up Friday, I would go train, drive back to my house, stay over Friday, Saturday, then Sunday morning, I would drive back down to Lehigh, work out and then drive the five hours, five and a half hours back to school. And that was my routine leading up to the NFL. Um, Going into the draft, I had gotten a couple phone calls from, like, the Patriots, the Giants, um, you know, that were interested in possibly taking me later in the draft. Uh, New England was actually one of the teams that said they had a spot in the seventh round that they were looking to take a wideout. Well, in, like, the fifth round or something like that, they ended up taking, I don't know if you remember, PK Sam from Florida State. So they ended up drafting him. So at that point, I was kind of like, I don't think they're going to draft another guy. They had a lot. And then, um, you know, after the draft, I had, uh, I think it was three teams. I had New England, Philly, and Tennessee all calling for priority free agent. Um, Philly, you know, we had heard some things about them where they just load their camp up with wideouts. New England had drafted the kid, like I said, so they were stocked, but. Tennessee was actually the one that they said, hey, we're bringing in six undrafted free agents. And, you know, we may keep one for practice squad and run one for the roster. So, and one of my agents at the time, Bo Orlando, if you remember from down in Berwick, he was actually a Houston oiler in that organization. So, you know, we thought it was a good fit. Um, You know, ended up going down there fought my way through camp, Uh, you know, had a touchdown in the one preseason game against the Arizona Cardinals, thought I had a pretty good camp. Um, But, oh, no, that wasn't that. I'm sorry. With Tennessee, got all the way to the last day. It was me and another guy. There was two of us left and the other kid had an awesome camp. Definitely outplayed me in camp. Kid from Grambling, his name was Tremont Douglas. So I'm thinking worst case, okay, this kid makes the roster. I can play practice squad. No big deal. Last day comes, they cut the both of us. So, all six guys they had brought in, they cut. So, they kept none of us. The next day, they signed two other random guys who, you know, and again, it's a business at the end of the day, you know. So, they end up bringing in two other kids who weren't there through the camp, and they signed these other two guys to the practice squad. So, it was, you know, a little frustrating. you know, then after that, I ended up having a workout up in New England. Uh, but they were looking for a wide out, but they said, you know, I had a good workout, but they were looking for somebody with some experience. So they ended up taking this other guy instead. I think is, I want to say his name was like Deion James or something like that. But they ended up taking this other guy who was a vet. Um, so after that, I actually ended up because when I was in camp in Tennessee, there was a. Uh, arena football coach who was coming. It was for the Nashville Cats. They were arena one team. So he was actually working camp. And when I got released and after everything else, he actually called and said, hey, you want to come play for me back down here in Nashville? And I was like, yeah, I got nothing else going on. Like nobody else was calling. I couldn't get any workouts. So I actually ended up going and playing arena football that spring after I played my agent, uh, Charlie Giacometti, he actually got me, got me signed with New England at that point. So after that was over, I signed with New England. From, and again, that was going back to when I had the workout and coming out of school. So I go to New England, work out all summer. Everything's good. We get into camp. It was the year, and again, Richard Seymour was still there, okay? So it was his holdout year. So he's holding out. Then in the first couple days, they have two defensive linemen get hurt. So, you know, NFL, it's a numbers game. So we had like 12 wideouts in camp. Well, low man on the totem pole to make room for another spot was me. So my first time in New England, I think I was there for maybe the first preseason game, I think, and then I got cut. I might have been there like 10 days, something like that, and I ended up getting cut during camp. When they cut me, they said, you know, this probably won't be the last time we ever talk, but good luck, you know, and so I hadn't heard anything. The whole season went by, nobody else, no workouts. Once the season ended, they actually re-signed me and they allocated me to Europe. So they sent me over to Europe. So I went over and played in NFL Europe. I played for the Berlin Thunder, Uh, played the whole season over there, had a pretty good year. Came back then in the summer, worked out all summer again up in New England. Then that's when, you know, I had a really good camp, uh, probably the best one I would think that I had. That's when I ended up scoring my touchdown, a couple catches in the preseason games. And at the end of the day, what happens again? I get released again. So, unfortunately, I get released from there. Um, But because of the relationships I built with the people over in Europe, the Berlin Thunder team actually signed me back to this called the continuity program where they were trying to promote uh, American football over in Europe. So I got to actually go and live over in Berlin from like October to February. And I was going around to like schools playing flag football with like all these kids and all this stuff. And then it was an automatic into the season for the, NFL Europe again. So I ended up playing another year over there after that, because at that point I was an un, you know, unrestricted agent at that time. I wasn't allocated by anybody. So when that was over, I had two options when I came back because Philly called and San Diego called. And so, you know, I was kind of torn on where to go, and I ended up going out to San Diego. Spent, you know, a couple months out there, ended up making it to – just before the fourth preseason game, I think. And then they released me as well. And then that was that was pretty much the end of, you know, my NFL career. That kind of ended it all right there. So nobody else was calling. I couldn't get workouts. So that was pretty much the end.
0: Okay. So going back uh, to a couple things you mentioned, the Titans, uh, was that Jeff Fisher? Uh, was he the yeah. coach? Yes, he was there. Okay. So Jeff Fisher, did you harbor some ill? ill will about that whole situation yeah it was
1: you know it was one of those things where you know you felt you had a good camp even uh you know the the offensive coordinator at the time said like he was in my corner um and uh it just and his name he actually passed away it was the Hymendinger. I don't know if you remember him uh he was with the Jets and stuff like that and then he passed away I think not too long ago um but yeah after that was done you kind of you know, you kind of got to build yourself back up, you know, when you get kicked down, it's like, how do you respond? Do you just go home and, and do nothing? Or do you keep working out, keep training and try and get to where you want to be with different opportunities. And, you know, so I took it as a way for me to just better myself and knowing when the next opportunity came, not to kind of flounder it and try and do my best. But at the end of the day, you know, you saw how much it was a business. Mm-hmm. So as good as you might have been, you still see how, you know, hey, this guy, it was this guy something or this. And, you know, it is still a business and it's kind of the, the lousy part of it. But, uh, you know, I played with a little chip on my shoulder, I think, moving forward after that. And, you know, but Jeff Fisher, hey, he was a great guy, great uh, players coach, real good relation with people, you know, was always joking around, really good guy. So, I, and and it was, and it was, was it was a great opportunity,
0: you know. And between being cut the first time by the Patriots and then landing in Berlin, there were some months there where you were just not playing football, right? So, like, just take me inside what your headspace was like. And, and how old were you, too, just for context? Context, of uh, context. Let's
1: see. So, when I was going over to Europe, I would have been, because I graduated in 04, that was 04, So probably would have been 05. So I was like 25 years old when New England cut me the first time. Um, But the big thing again was like, hey, you got to stay in shape, you know. So, I mean, I was at camp. I think at that point I was coming back to Wyoming area, you know, helping out a little bit when I can. But I was working and but I was still trying to stay in shape, you know, Um, because, hey, I still had to make money and stuff. And if you're not doing anything, you know, you're not getting paid. So. I had to find, you know, I came back and worked for my dad, but I was able to do a little bit of volunteer coaching over at Wyoming area at the time. And, uh, you know, like I said, after the season, I just happened to, you know, New England still had that interest in me to sign me and allocate me over to Europe. So it was just another opportunity to go and play the game that you loved on somebody else's dime, more or less. You know, I mean, it was, you know, and listen, at the end of the day, I got to see a lot of the world for free because of football, you know? So I got to travel over Europe and everything else. And it was, it was just amazing where football was able to take me.
0: The One franchise that you didn't mention, um, but people might know you from is the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Pioneers. And it's a shame now that there's like a whole generation that doesn't know the Pioneers that doesn't know just what a scene it was. What was the atmosphere like being a member of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Pioneers, which were an AF2 team?
1: Right. At the time they were AF2. And uh, I'll tell you what, that was probably the most fun I ever had playing because it was just like, not only were we good because we had a good team. I mean, two years in a row, we went to the playoffs and lost. The second year I was there, you end up going to the arena cup and we lose, you know, in the final out in Vegas. But it was just guys that just loved playing, you know, it was like, it was almost like, I don't want to say you knew you were at the end of your career, but you were just still giving it everything you had because, like, you just loved the game. And And the the guys that were on that team were just – it was just such a good group of guys that got along well on and off the field, you know, made new friendships. But, yeah, it's, it's – and it's unfortunate they got rid of the team because I don't, I think if they hadn't gotten rid of the team, I may still be playing up there. But uh, it it was just, it was so much fun playing, uh, you know, those couple of years that I was up there and, uh, you know, a lot of good memories from that. Like I said, we ended up going to the arena cup my second year, you know, they fly us out to Vegas, the whole nine yards and, you know, we, we came up short, but it was just what what an amazing experience for something that some people probably didn't even know of arena football. And, you know, there it is again, I'm traveling all over the U S still playing football.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, uh, that franchise led the league in attendance just about every year. Like you said, they won the division basically all the time. Uh, was Rich Ingold the coach when you were there?
1: He was. Yep. Rich was the coach, uh, both years, uh, you know, had some, there was another guy, local guy, Terry Carg. He was a SEM guy, I think that was up there doing coordinator. We had, a. Uh, Les Moss, who was like the, another coach, and then he ended up going to coach the Orlando Predators after, you know, he left the uh, wilkes Bear. Um, but it was the atmosphere up there and the crowds. We actually had a Wyoming area night for one night. I don't know if you remember this, but all these Wyoming area kids came dressed up. They were all, they had their chest painted and everything. They had a whole section in the top row. It was just, it was outstanding, like the support that I had, but that's just, that's the way it was up there. That was the atmosphere. Like we had great crowds, great attendance. And, you know, obviously when you're winning and you're on a good team, people want to come and watch, you know, and it's it's unfortunate that th- that they don't have that up there anymore.
0: All right. And, and was that like the last team that you played for?
1: That was it. Yep. That would have been the last. So the last two years that I played up there were the last two years that I played football.
0: Yep. Okay, so then, you know, what was it uh, like, you know, that reality coming in that the, the playing career, uh, the playing portion of your career was over?
1: Yeah, it was, you know, it was disappointing, because uh, at the time, right when the season was coming around, so it would have been the third year I would have tried to play arena football, I had a couple teams call me to come play. Um, Les Moss down in Orlando wanted me to come play down there. The team, I think, that was out in Iowa had called me. The team out in Spokane called me to come play. But it was, I was at a point in my, I was actually, I was having a baby at the time. So it, you know, it was like, oh man, do I go and make like $100 a week or whatever it is that we were making somewhere else and leave like, you know, we're we're having a baby. Like, I can't just walk away and like, hey, I got to go play football. See you. So you know, I had that circumstance going on as well, and you know, I I, I chose to to hang up the cleats, and you know, it, it was unfortunate, but uh, you know, I think it worked out for the best, and uh, you know, it's uh, it it was it was okay, it was all right. I played long enough, and it was fun, and like I said, the last couple years I had were probably the most fun I had playing, so it was it was great.
0: I mean, look, you had a career notable enough that I would seek you out for an interview, honestly. How about that,
1: right? (laughs) That's pretty good.
0: Um, And now moving on to uh, your coaching career. Now you coach, um, I know that you have coached with Pittston area softball, Wyoming area football. Where are you coaching now?
1: So... Varsity-wise, I was, yes, I had I was up at Pittston with their softball team when they won their first district title and first state game with uh, Coach Qualia up there at Pittston. That was was probably, what, two years ago, I think, or maybe three, because they canceled last year. I missed the season before. So, yeah, it was probably three seasons ago that I finished them. But I was there, shoot, I think I was there with uh, Coach Qualia for what had to be three years maybe, I think, I was up there coaching softball. And then, obviously, I've been with football at Wyoming area, but I also coach uh, basketball at Wyoming Seminary. I'm uh, an assistant varsity coach and uh, the JV coach. So, you know, we've had a lot of success down there with Coach Moses. Uh, And before that, I was with him on the staff over at Wyoming area right before he left. So I was at Wyoming area with basketball. Then we went down the stem. We won a district title down there, a couple rounds in the state playoffs. Um, And, yeah, and football Wyoming area
0: so wyoming area football you've been at wyoming seminary basketball pitston area softball so you've been all around the valley um and obviously you've got a ton of family in the area but clearly you want to you know keep your hands in the uh you know the local sports scene so you know just what is it that that drives you to stay involved the way that you do
1: Well, I think it's just my passion for football, mostly, you know, I mean, uh, as much as I like baseball and basketball, you know, I I enjoy competition, though, you know, so I think that's one of the things that even though you can't be involved, this is your way to stay involved is, you know, as I'm still a competitor, I still want to win, I still want to go out and, and beat who's ever on the other side of the field, court, dime, whatever it is, you know, you have that drive to just go win all the time. But, uh, you know, obviously football is my passion. So it's, it's nice to give back to, you know, our alma mater and, and coach at WAMI area. And, uh, you know, it's something that I do enjoy. And, you know, it's something that I could possibly, you know, see myself pursuing in the future as far as moving to maybe some higher ranks and stuff like that. I mean, I'd love to go coach uh, college one day and uh, see where that could take me. But it's, it's the the competition and the drive for just all that. That gets and me going.
0: What is your specific uh, title on the Wyoming area coaching staff?
1: So the past couple years I've been the offense coordinator so uh, but I've also been the quarterback's coach so you know when we break down position wise I'm working with the quarterbacks and then obviously anything we're calling as far as offense you know I'm calling most of the plays obviously the other coaches have input on on things like that especially coach Spencer obviously he's the head guy he's got the final say on you know, if he thinks something's good or not. Um, but for the most part, I'm out there and I'm just calling plays as I
0: see them. So last year, you mentioned you want to go out and beat everybody. Last year, you actually were able to do that other than Southern Columbia, which beat everybody that they played. Yeah, but yeah. Wyoming area, you you won 13 games, I think. You won the state championship. Just take me inside what that was like for you experiencing it as a coach when you've experienced these types of highs as a player. Uh, during your career?
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was a special season. I mean, we had some great players, and, you know, it's y- – you, you hate to say it, it's easy to call plays sometimes when you have really good players. You know what I mean? When you have the Nick O'Briens and the Dom DeLucas that come through your, your program, it makes calling plays a little bit easier. When you mess up on a call and you have a kid back there like Dom that could pull the ball down and he takes off for 30, 40 yards or runs a touchdown – it makes you look good, but going all the way to that state title game. And even, you know, when you look at the end of that third quarter, when we were down by two scores and you're just like, man, how are we going to dig ourselves out of this, you know? And then next thing you know, like, you know, you're still calling plays to win and, you know, just like that, Riley Russin makes the play probably that everybody will remember in Wami area history when he undercuts our own guy, catches the ball and runs 80 yards and sets fireworks off for our team to to jump on board and uh just the the emotion and the excitement and the energy that was on the sideline after that touchdown it totally changed that game so you know when when you have something like that happen even as a coach I mean the juice gets fired up like you get you know you get a little bit more amped up and you know you you, you're you're focused in a little bit more and you know hey it, it all worked out I guess the way it should and you know, we ended up winning the state title and it was just an amazing, amazing feat for those kids.
0: All right. And I think the last question here would be just, um, in your coaching style, I guess that you're probably pulling from your playing experience from learning from a guy like Randy Spencer, you know, maybe you're looking at stuff online to do your own education. Like where, where do you find your sources of information to keep improving as an offensive coach?
1: Well, I could, I could honestly say a lot of our offense is still the same offense we ran when we were there. Like if you watch Juan Mary football, you know what Juan Mary football is good. They're, they're a power eye team. We're going to try and run the ball at you. And you know, if we need to, we can spread you out. And obviously the game has evolved over time. I mean, you don't see, you know, you see a lot more teams now, even especially in college, they're all going with these spread offenses or empty backfields and, you know, we've kind of stayed traditional in the sense where we're still a power I team that can build off that. And, you know, and I have great coaches around me, especially, you know, Mike Fonte with our line up front, we, we really work well together, as far as putting together an offensive game plan and all the other coaches are always giving their two cents. But I do enjoy watching games on TV, because I've gotten so many plays, like even watching the Kansas City Chiefs, they're so unique in some of the things that they do that I'm like, hey, we have the guys that we can run this stuff, you know. So it's nice to just watch a game and the coaches. As we're watching games on Saturday at our house, I'll get text messages from all of our coaches. Hey, just see this play that this team ran. Hey, just see this here. They'll send me a video, and with that, we can incorporate that into our offense a little bit based on the players that we have. You know, I try not to run stuff that I know we can't run you know I'm not going to go five wide and let my quarterback hang back there if I know we're not going to be able to pick up the blitz and things like that you know so I still try to put us in a situation to succeed but I do use a lot of what Juan has done for the past forever more or less you know since coach Marenka was there and you know kind of tweak it a little bit as far as being able to run our quarterback stuff and spread us out when we need to
0: well, it's working because Wyoming area is one of the winningest programs in, in District 2, and last year, the state championship put them in really elite territory. How close do you hold that memory of, I mean, it's a very fresh memory, of course, but when you think about your favorite accomplishments in sports, like that winning that state championship, how high up is that?
1: Oh, it's definitely up close to the top. I mean, I could probably, you know, like you were saying, I could probably name maybe my top, my favorite. Five best sports memories and that's without a doubt probably like a top three top two memory other than catching like a touchdown in an nfl game i mean the next best thing is winning that state title was, was, was phenomenal
0: who was the quarterback that threw the touchdown to you do you recall that
1: was matt castle i don't know if you remember him from usc, USC yeah, yeah. Then he ended up you know he ended up playing then he signed that big contract with the chiefs and then kind of turned into a journeyman after that but that's who uh that's who i caught it from so still have the ball
0: oh awesome awesome <laughs> it's amazing the places that sports could take you um and that's what i try to get across on this this podcast so rich i think that pretty much covers it anything else that you'd like to say before we get going here
1: no i just appreciate uh you having me on and uh you know good luck with your program and everything like that and uh you know go warriors That's it.
0: That's the interview. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you've made it this far and enjoyed what you heard, please consider subscribing to our podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream this type of content. Ratings, especially of the five-star variety, are always appreciated as are reviews. And be sure to like and follow any PA Sports Stories on Facebook, where I post all sorts of other good content. Thanks again to Rich Mazinski, and thank you for listening.